Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Persis Poku. On today's episode, we wanted to continue our discussion on the Bible, the Biblios, the book, the Bible, um, inspired by God, uh, given to uh, men to write down um, his commandments to us, his uh, principles, his instructions, and intended for all of humanity to uh, embrace Jesus Christ or uh, to look at their decision to not embrace Jesus Christ. Uh, The Bible, all 66 books, points towards acceptance of Christ. The Bible uh, talks about God's dealings with humanity, how we all uh, got here, our origin. And the Bible uh, flies in the face of uh, evolution. And we're talking about macroevolution in the sense that uh, we got here uh, through uh, being primates and non-human, which is inconsistent with uh, Genesis. So the Bible uh, offers us uh, historicity of how we all got here. Uh, it, it talks about the Abrahamic covenant. It talks about uh, the flood, the pre-diluvian flood, the post-diluvian flood, dealing with Noah. Uh, the Bible talks about, even more importantly, uh, how we all got to this state. And by this state, I'm talking about uh, sin, we're still struggling with sin because of Adam, the Federalist, uh, who God uh, chose to represent all of humanity. Uh, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So when we uh, approach the Bible, as I said earlier, uh, we should approach the Bible uh, with some methodology behind it. We just don't pick up the Bible and um, start trying to understand the Bible uh, based on our own intellect, based on our own experience, uh, based on our own subjectivity. Uh, There's the word that we used last week called hermeneutics, H-E-R-M-E-N-E-U-T-I-C-S, hermeneutics. And that word means the science and the art of biblical interpretation. So in other words, there's a correct way to read the Bible, uh, and there's an incorrect way to read the Bible. Uh, When we read uh, the scriptures, it's said to rightly divide the word of truth, rightly divide the word of God, which infers that you can also wrongly divide the God's word. You can wrongly infer the word of truth. So uh, we as believers must follow the standards of hermeneutics if we're going to 
uh, ascertain and glean from God's word what he wants us to glean from it. Uh, And to not approach God's word from uh, a hermeneutical perspective would lead us to false interpretations. And we don't want that. We want to be uh, correct. We want to rightly divide God's word. So that's my introduction as we continue the Bible, um, how to read it for all it's worth, how to read the Bible for all it's worth. On last episode, we talked about uh, the format of the Bible and um, how it differs, the Old Testament differs from the um, Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh. And uh, we basically uh, said that all the books are the same, just formatted differently. The books are the same, it's just formatted differently. Uh, So uh, the information from my Old Testament is consistent uh, with the Hebrew uh, uh, Tanakh. And as we read the Old Testament, we see that it's a preview of the New Testament, right? The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And so as we look at um, the books of the Bible, again, let us approach it from a systematic perspective. The first thing I want us to consider is the genre, the literary forms that I I talked about on last week. And uh, we need to look at the books. So when you approach a book, right, whether it's uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy, uh, which is called the Pentateuch, or whether you're dealing with Song of Solomon, uh, where some Bibles call it the Canticles, uh, or whether you're looking at Proverbs, or you're looking at Psalms, or you're looking at uh, the book of Acts, or the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, you need to consider what style is it? What genre is it? What, what type of writing is this? Uh, so you don't approach uh, Revelations the same way you would approach um, Matthew, right? Because uh, each book contains a literary style, and you have to approach it that way, or you're not going to get the correct interpretation. So uh, the first genre is apocalyptic, apocalyptic, parts of Daniel, is apocalyptic. Revelations is filled with apocalyptic uh, imagery. And so you must decode and and put it in the right context when you're dealing with these imageries. Those imageries mean something. Then the second type of genre is epistolary. And that basically means letters. Letters. So Paul, uh, letters are epistolary, uh, uh, epistolary. Uh, they're letters. So when you are approaching a letter, it's very uh, similar to uh, when we used to write letters. Now we send emails and now we, we send text. But when we used to write letters, uh, you will have the greetings, the body, the conclusion. And Paul's letters are very similar to that. And it, it also uh, gives us uh, insight into communication between two parties. Uh, the letter writer and the recipients of the of, of the uh, letter, and when you read paul 's letters, you realize that 
we are getting a sneak preview uh, of communications between a sender and the recipient of the letter. That's why Paul always introduces himself in the beginning, Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, um, to who, whoever he, he's, he's writing to, uh, to uh, the lady uh, at this church or to so-and-so at this church. Paul's uh, letter is very close to the style, uh, not even close, but it is the style of the first century uh, writings. So when you look at Paul's letter, it's consistent with first, letter, uh, first century epistolary writings. Number three, the third type of genre I want us to consider is historical. Historical. Uh, first, first portion of Matthew dealing with the historicity of Jesus Christ uh, through the lineage, how he, how he got here. Um, when we look at history, we can go back to Genesis and see the history um, of, of, of how we got here. When we look at numbers, you definitely see the historical aspect of numbers. So-and-so begot this person, and this person begot this person. When we look at uh, other parts of the Bible, we see clearly that the writer is trying to convey to us uh, a historical aspect, a historical content. So when we look at uh, the book of Acts as an example, many people run to the book of Acts to try to um, deduce or to try to unpack um, the theology or doctrine for Christian living. Now, will you find some information in the book of Acts that's consistent with Christian living? Yes. Or Christian doctrine, yes. But the book of Acts was not written primarily for Christian living and Christian principles. If you want to find information in the Bible about Christian living, Christian conduct, how Christians ought to behave, you go to the Gospels, you go to Paul's letters. But the book of Acts was primarily written to convey history, how the Holy Spirit was dealing with the apostles uh, since Jesus ascended. That's the primary thesis of the book of Acts. So um, when we go to the book of Acts and we look at it from a historical standpoint, you have a better chance of actually interpreting it the way that uh, Dr. Luke wanted us to interpret it. Uh, And sometimes people run to the book of Acts and they miss the point. The whole point of the book of Acts, again, is to see and to tell the story of how the Holy Spirit empowered these men to transform the world. And every now and then, you'll find passages that do uh, reinforce Christian living principles, things that we ought to do. But if you want to study on what Christians ought to do, go to the Gospels, learn, uh, 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 read what Jesus has to say in terms of how Christians ought to condemn, uh, conduct themselves and in, in and also in, in regards to how Christians um, ought to be part of God's kingdom agenda, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God concept, Jesus talks about that, how, how we ought to deal uh, with our walk as Christians, as believers. Um, Jesus, Jesus, even in the Beatitudes, is a perfect example of how we ought to conduct ourselves and what the standards are for, Christ, uh, for, for his followers. Then Paul carries it through with his writings, the teachings of Jesus Christ. Uh, 
So it's very important that we understand the type of book that we're dealing with when we approach it. doesn't matter what book you're in. Learn the genre. What type of book is this? What type of book is this? This this will help us to answer questions like, is this passage allegorical or is it literal? Is it metaphorical or is it literal? And answering those two questions are very, very important if we want to interpret the passage correctly. Context when dealing with the Bible is very important. Context, context, context. The biggest mistake a lot of people make is they go to a passage and they force their own ideas or attempt to force their own ideas into a passage. And that passage may not be saying that. That's why we have to read the text before and we have to read the text after the passage that we're looking at. It's very important what's going on prior to this statement being made and what's going on after the statement is made. So context is very, very, very important. I can't emphasize that enough. So we looked at apocalyptic genre. We looked at epistolary. We looked at historical. Then we have poetic, uh, Song of Solomon, full of poetry, uh, Book of Psalms, poetry. So uh, it's very important we, that, that we understand uh, that poetry oftentimes uses metaphors and um, um, uses imageries uh, to represent one thing, the image is conveying an idea. So this is where our Bible study comes into effect. What is this imagery conveying? What, 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 what is it talking about? What is Daniel talking about as he uses the imagery that he uses? Uh, how do I decode this passage? And again, that comes with Bible, uh, studying the Bible, but at least know the starting point. If you're reading the poetic uh, literature, know that it's going to be filled with a lot of imagery and a lot of metaphors, uh, if not similes. Uh, Number five, genre, the romantic uh, genre. Uh, Again, Song of Solomon qualifies uh, romantic genre and uh, dealing with uh, romantic writings. uh, There are, or there is a certain mindset that you must have uh, when you you, uh, approach this type of uh, verse or this type of uh, passage in dealing with it and, and, and trying to interpret it correctly. Then the last genre I want to deal with is wisdom, which is the book of Proverbs. Uh, it's not exclusive to Proverbs, but Proverbs is filled with wisdom passages. Uh, so um, if, if we want wisdom, we need to go to God, who give to all men and women liberally. So um, wisdom is not just knowledge but is knowledge applied, meaning that you know how to uh, apply the information that you received correctly. Amen. Correctly is knowledge applied. Uh, Sophia in the Greek, uh, wisdom. Uh, so it's, it's very important that we approach the Bible from a systematic uh, perspective. We need to consider the type of genre the book is or the text that you're reading? Is it apocalyptic? Is it epistolary? Is it historical? Is it poetic? Is it romantic? Or is it a wisdom passage? And once uh, you're able to determine the genre, you can approach it correctly. Uh, We talked about the science and art of biblical interpretation in terms of hermeneutics. 
Now consider this when trying to read the Bible for all its worth. What is the theme of the Bible? And if you uh, email us, we can send you the themes of the Bible. Uh, the plot. What's going on in that passage? What's the plot? Why, why are Joseph's brothers so angry with him? Why, why is he in the pit? Uh, what's going on? Uh, the next thing you can consider, theme, the plot, and then the poetry. Right? Poetry. What, what's going on? Why, why is there a poetic reference over, uh, uh, in this context that I'm reading? Then number four, consider the motifs. Motifs are I, ideas or stories that persist throughout the Bible. They persist, meaning that they keep this theme, this imagery keeps coming back over and over again. Even going back to uh, the garden uh, in, in the Genesis passages, uh, one of the themes that keep persisting throughout the, uh, the Bible is the younger usurping the older. It's a common theme. Uh, David uh, was called to rule over his brothers. Uh, Joseph was called to rule over his brothers. Uh, David being younger, Joseph being younger. Uh, and, and this theme persists throughout the, uh, the whole Bible. And so if, if, if you consider these motifs, it brings the Bible to life. Why? Is God choosing this person uh, to a position where he's rejecting this other person? Then um, there are things such as parallelism, uh, which is using a part of a sentence that is similar in grammar, sentence structure, uh, sound, and meaning. And um, we don't have time to really get into parallelism, but I just wanted to mention it just in case you want additional study. Um, and, and I love how um, in, in parallel structures you have uh, something like Psalms 103, verse 10, uh, which talks about um, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. And when you look at it structurally, is this beautiful uh, grammatical structure that the psalmist is using. And it's hard to convey that on the radio, but uh, it's the way that he's formatted his writings to almost answer the preceding question. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. This beautiful structure that's used in the Hebrew. Then uh, we move from parallelism to something called a chiastic structure. And again, it's very difficult to convey that um, on, the, on, on this episode without some sort of visual aid. But if you take uh, the book of Noah uh, or the story of Noah, you find this beautiful chiastic structure um, in Noah, uh, going from chapter 6 all the way to chapter 9. Um, it's beautiful. And I wish uh, we were in class so we can convey 
this idea of chiasm. And, and again, it's just a style, style of writing that's used to make the story stand out. So it's very important that uh, we understand that the Bible is sophisticated. So we just don't approach it any type of way. Amen. We, we just don't approach it any type of way. Now, some have argued that the Old Testament um, records, uh, the way that it's, it's presented, is not actually uh, what we as Christians have adopted, um, which is not true. That statement is not true. Some say that Moses did not write the Old Testament. Uh, it's, it's a late, later uh, uh, scribes that created uh, this mythology behind Moses being a writer of the Pentateuch. And again, they have no uh, concrete evidence to support that statement. It's just their own interpretive bias. So uh, let's look at the New Testament. The letters of the New Testament were all written um, within the first century A.D. And in order to understand the letters of the New Testament, we must ask the following questions. What is the message being communicated to the audience? And I mentioned this during the last episode. The first question when we're dealing with a passage is not, this is what the passage means to me. And I hear a lot of Christians uh, make that statement. This is what the passage means to me. That's not the first question that ought to be asked. The first question that ought to be asked is, what is the message being communicated uh, by the writer to the intended audience. So when we look at Paul's letter, he's speaking to someone. And the question is, what is what message is he trying to convey to the church of Corinth? What message is he trying to convey to the churches in, in Galatia? Uh, what message is he conveying to Titus, to Timothy? What, what, what message is Paul trying to convey? Then once we're able to ascertain what message is being communicated to the intended audience, then the second question is, what is that message or how is that same message related to us in our modern time? What is the general principle that we are to glean from that message to the intended audience? That's important because that brings us to our next point of knowing the difference between descriptive or prescriptive text. And on our next episode, we're going to deal with uh, how to determine whether a text in the Bible is descriptive or prescriptive. And knowing the difference will make a world of difference in interpreting that passage correctly or not correctly. Well, our time has expired for this episode, but... We will be back next week if Jesus don't come back before then. Uh, thank you for joining us for this episode. And as always, we uh, thank you all for your prayers, for your encouragement and support of Sign Reason and Ministries. Uh, if you're a listener, we still need uh, your financial support. Uh, you can certainly, uh, if, you send it, if you send a donation by checks, make it out to Sign Reason and Ministries, P.O. Box 582-306. El Grove, California, 95758. Or you can go on our website, srministries.org, and give online. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember, 
to do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. May the Lord be with you. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy message as has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.